We are talking tonight about the final spiritual discipline that we're going to talk about. There are numerous uh, disciplines that we could talk of that, that, are, that are quite legitimate uh, that we haven't spoken of. We could talk about the discipline of perseverance, of continuing on and, and continuing to uh, do the things that God has called us to do in the midst of odds and, and circumstances. We could certainly talk about that. We could talk about the discipline of learning. The, the discipline of constantly uh, growing in your knowledge and in your abilities. We could talk about that as a spiritual discipline, and that would be that would be a worthwhile discussion. We could talk about stewardship, and we mentioned stewardship a little bit, but we could talk about it in depth as a discipline because the stewardship of time and money, as well as all of our resources, really is a discipline unto the Lord. We could talk about several other disciplines as well. Uh, guidance as a spiritual discipline, things like that. But I want to end with um, the discipline of rest. A lot of us understand this idea of rest from uh, uh, the the recliner chair in our uh, living room that we sit in and fall asleep in when we sit there for too long. Um, A lot of us understand rest as just getting a nap or not really doing anything, being lazy, propping your feet up and relaxing, watching the game on TV, or whatever it might happen to be. Some of us don't understand rest at all. Um, I've got to be honest with you. There are certain people in this church, uh, a certain a certain couple that sit on this side, uh, named Jim and Melissa, but I'm not going to mention names, uh, that, that apparently don't ever rest, because y'all are constantly going and constantly doing things, and and it just seems like... <laughs> it seems like how can, how can you fit all that in 24 hours a day? That's it's quite amazing um, what all God does through people. But rest isn't just about being lazy, and it's not just about not working. Rest has a much more fundamental idea. If you want to really understand the discipline of rest, you have to understand the discipline of hard work. Because if you don't work hard, then your rest isn't really what it's supposed to be. I think there's one proverb that says that a, a, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a thief. Rest is something that we balance with hard work. Go back to the, uh, to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Day one, he creates light. Day two, uh, um, and he separates light from darkness. Day two, uh, he creates the, um, the, I think he separates the land, the land, uh, the waters above from the waters below, the skies and the waters, separates those and puts them in their place. Day three, he creates dry land. Day four, he creates the sun, moon, and stars throughout the galaxy. Day five, he's creating some animals and vegetation to go on the land. Day six, he's creating more animals. And then he finally creates human beings. And on day seven, it says that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Six days God works, and on the seventh day he is finished and he rests. Now, does this mean God doesn't do anything on the seventh day? 
No. We know from the rest of Scripture that that the way that we are sustained, the way that life continues on earth, the way that the universe doesn't just fall apart, is that God is the one sustaining it and holding it together and making it continue even to this day. So God hasn't quit working altogether. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 5 that I am working even now just as my Father is working And the Pharisees knew exactly what he meant because the next verse says that they were seeking a way to destroy him not only because he had done these miracles on the Sabbath, which is what he was doing in John chapter 5, but also because he was calling God his Father. In other words, they recognized the blasphemy. They recognized that Jesus was claiming to be divine. And they couldn't have that. But it's interesting. He says, I'm working just as my father is working. God hasn't quit working. God hasn't punched out and sat in his lazy boy recliner up in heaven, kicked his feet back and said, I'm not doing anything for the next 24 hours. No, no, no. The picture in Genesis 2 is one of God finishing his creative work and intentionally not working anymore on that. I'm not creating anything else. It's... This is finished. This is Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished, just before he died. So in the same way, God the Father saying, it is finished as he's looking at his creation. But what I also find interesting about this is that the fact that that God, the creation is a seven-day account, but only six of them God is working. It's almost as if to say he's done seven days worth of work in six. He's hustled. God hasn't hasn't just sat idly by. God has been active all through the first six days. And now that he stops, it's such a grand stopping that all creation ought to take notice of it. It's such a stopping that, that our basis of rest comes from him finishing his work and being satisfied in what he has done. So when we go to Exodus chapter 20, And we read in the Decalogue, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, sometimes they're called. Of course, those begin with a recognition of who God is and what he's done. I'm Yahweh who brought you out of the house of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. You shall not take my name in vain. And then he gets to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You may not you may not uh, recognize this because in English it doesn't these kinds of things don't translate. But seven, the word for seven is Sabbath, and the word for Sabbath is Sabbath. You hear the similarity? The word for rest comes from the word for seven. In their language, they couldn't even think of the Sabbath without thinking of rest. The two ideas were so intricately connected. It would be the way that some of us think of Saturday as college football day (laughs) or Sunday as church day. We think in those kinds of terms, but even there, the words even said, hey, this this is rest day. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. 
So the basis of God resting on the seventh day of creation, where God has finished all his work early, one day early, and then rests in, in, in the satisfaction of knowing that his work has been all sufficient. He doesn't need to do anything else. He doesn't need to put a last minute touch. He doesn't need to tweak a few things. Man, we do stuff and we got to go tweak some things. We make something and then we got to kind of like keep it polished up or, or, or we go to do something and we got to put on a finishing touch on that report just before it's due or, or we've got to, we've got to change a couple of things and I really don't like the way this is. And, and, and we are at the last minute trying to change all kinds of stuff. But God doesn't have to do that. He looks at it and he says, that's perfect. And he can rest because he recognizes that his work is perfect. I'm making a point of this. Keep that, keep that on the back burner. God blessed the Sabbath day and made it whole. That's why, that's why the commandment doesn't say, remember the Sabbath day to make it whole. God's already made it whole. This is a holy day because God has made it such. Now we recognize it's a holy day because God has set it apart, but it's also a holy day because every day is holy, because every day is God's. And so we recognize that this one day is a special day of reminder. If you go to Israel on Friday evenings, uh, Friday afternoons, about a couple hours before the sun goes down, man, it is, depending on where you are, if you're in Tel Aviv or you're in one of those other cities that, that, that's not as strict on this, it, there's no difference. It just looks like a normal Friday. But if you go to Jerusalem, it's a dramatic difference because things are hectic on Friday afternoons. People are running around, going, doing all their shopping, trying to get all their foods, trying to get everything together because at sundown, Friday evening, it starts Sabbath and nothing's going to be open. In fact, there are people that go into uh, uh, the... There are people that go into the marketplaces, rabbis, who go in and they will make announcements saying, it's just a few more hours till Sabbath. You have one more hour before the Sabbath begins. They are there. They, some of them see it as kind of a ministry where they will pray for people who are, who feel like their sins are overwhelming them and want to have prayer before God before entering the Sabbath. But here, here, when Sabbath hits and those bells are ringing throughout the city, the sirens are going off, the, the Sabbath is beginning, and all the marketplace, the, all, the, all the folks in the market are closing down their shops and you can't buy anything anymore. And within just a few minutes, there's a few folks running to get home. There's a few folks still out and about that are trying to get where they're going. And it gets quiet. The marketplaces, the lights are dimmed down. There's no hustle and bustle throughout the streets. And you begin to hear singing of traditional Sabbath songs from house to house to house. And this isn't a one-time thing. This is every week. Every week. So you have this constant reminder. This constant flow of life that is just suddenly stopped. After six days of hustle and bustle, after six days of hard work, after six days of noise and confusion and chaos all, all around, it's suddenly this calm. We used to get a little bit of that with Sunday laws, where stores wouldn't be open, restaurants wouldn't be open, you couldn't sell liquor, 
those kinds of things on Sunday. We used to get a, a portion of this. There's something beautiful about rest. There's something beautiful, especially about this rhythm of rest. Now, am I going to say, well, we should stop worshiping on Sundays and just move to Saturday services? It's not what I'm going to say. But I do think when we miss out on fulfilling this discipline of rest, we miss out on one of the most beautiful aspects in all of Scripture. Because rest is relief from working. But it's more than that. In Exodus chapter 16, a reiteration of this, uh, Moses has uh, led the people into the wilderness and God has started providing manna. And manna, you know, the first day they went out to get manna, some people got way more than they were supposed to. And boy, did they regret it the next morning because that stuff stank in the morning. They would gather and they'd eat all for that one day. And then the next day, next day, all what was left over on their counters had worms in it and it smelled terrible. And they were like, oh gosh, I don't want any of this. Yeah, some of you haven't had dinner yet. Sorry. It was bad. And so Moses was like, uh, you're, not, you're only supposed to get a certain amount. But then comes the sixth day. And on the sixth day, he tells everybody, now make sure you gather double because you'll need it for tomorrow. There's not going to be any manna tomorrow. Well, you know us people. Some of us are knuckleheads. We've got to learn the hard way. So on the seventh day, this is Exodus 16, 27, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. There's no manna anywhere. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. You see, what would go bad the second day normally, on the sixth day was miraculously good for two days. First of all, it's a miracle they're getting the stuff in the first place. But then on any other day, it rots overnight. On this particular day, though, it doesn't rot. God is providing for his people. And then verse 30 says, so the people rested on the seventh day. The knuckleheads finally figured it out. Exodus 23. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and that the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. God puts this into place so that we have refreshment. This discipline of rest is not just about not working, though. It is not just about us not working, but we can make other people work. It's that everybody should, should have the opportunity to stop working and recognize the sufficiency of all God has done. In fact, six days you shall work, Exodus 34, 21. But on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. Go to a farmer and tell him, you know, y'all are working too hard. You need a day off right now during this harvest time. You know what he's going to do? They're going to look at you funny. Because I can't stop now. It's the harvest. i got to keep... God is saying, even in the harvest time, I will provide for you. You stop and rest on the Sabbath. But it's more than just not working. Joshua 23 describes... Uh, uh, it says a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest. It's that same word. God had given his people rest from the enemies that had surrounded them. Joshua is now going to challenge them to finish the job, to keep being faithful even when he is gone. He's getting to the end of his tenure. And it says that God had given rest to Israel. 
Second Chronicles 36. It's not just the people that get a rest. The Israelites have been faithless in resting their crops every seventh year as God had commanded. So when he takes them into exile, God gets all of those missed Sabbath years and puts them all together. Second Chronicles 36, 21. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths, its rests. In other words, even the land needs to rest. Ezekiel 34, God is making a promise for the Israelites in days to come. And he promises them, I will make a covenant of peace with them and banish, that's rest. Kind of an interesting use of the word rest here. Banish wild beasts from the land. In other words, even the things that threaten to destroy you, I will give you rest from them. See, it's more than just not working. Rest really, really, if you get down to it, the idea of rest really boils down to seeing God's work is sufficient. Resting in what he has done rather than you trying to do it yourself. So Jesus starts healing on the Sabbath. He's going around. He's got a guy with a withered hand and he heals the guy's hand. A guy with a bed that's been laying on a bed all his life and Jesus says, you want to walk? Get up your, take up your bed and walk. He does that on the Sabbath. He does several other miracles on the Sabbath. At one point, the Pharisees come to challenge him and they, and they say, why are you doing this on the Sabbath? That, that's not legal. He says, haven't you read where David and his men ate the bread of the presence? Or, or verse 5 of Matthew 12. Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? You know what the busiest day of the week was for a priest? Sabbath. There were more offerings on Sabbath than any other day. Oh, in those high holy days? Man, they, they had to call the priests from all over the country to come into the temple to serve on those days. They were working harder in that one day than they did the other six of that week. Then Jesus says this, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. If you know what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Mark adds an interesting statement into this account. Mark chapter 2, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What he's saying is, this isn't a law that you were created to obey. This is something that is designed for your benefit. And what better day than the Sabbath for someone to be healed? What better day? What better day than the Sabbath for someone to be freed from their bondage? Whether it's a physical infirmity, or whether it's a spiritual ailment, whether it's a demon possession, or whether it's a withered hand, or whether it's the dead being raised back to life. What better day than the Sabbath for God to bring healing? That's what the Sabbath was intended for. To restore you. For you to recognize that what God has done is enough for you. So the discipline of rest is not just about, well, I can't do anything today. I got to stop and just sit in there bored all day. Or it's not about, well, I'm going to get lots of good sleep. It's not about, well, I finally have a day off. Now I can do all the stuff I need to do that I can't get to. No, the purpose of rest 
is for you to rest in God. The purpose of rest is for you to rest in. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Listen to what he says. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This is when they they, uh, uh, rebelled against God and did not go into the land. They followed the ten spies that said the giants are too big and we can't take them. So God says, they're not going to enter my rest. That whole generation, the only two people who walked into the land of that generation were those two spies, Caleb and Joshua. Those were the only two. Everybody else died in the wilderness. They shall not enter my rest, he says. Why? Because of their disobedience. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who were formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. See, there is coming a fulfillment of this rest. A day when it's not just about lazy boys and college football games and not having anything on the agenda. For whoever has entered in God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from him. You see, you you really want to experience the discipline of rest. You have to stop relying on what you're doing because only what God does is enough. That's what brings rest. Now, does that mean that, that there's not times when you need to take a nap? No. Does that mean there aren't times when you need to clear the agenda and do nothing for a little while? No, those, those times of rejuvenation are wonderful and, and they are necessary. What it means is that if you're spending your life just trying to earn God's favor, just trying to do the next thing, just trying to check off all the boxes, just trying, just trying, just trying, the discipline of rest calls you to stop. Stop trying. Because God's already done. I thought about uh, in Revelation, there's, there's this altar. And under the altar, there are all of these saints crying out. To God. And they're crying out for vengeance. How long, Lord, will you, before you vindicate us? And Revelation 6.11 says they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer. Just rest. I can almost hear God saying, I know, it's almost time. Just rest right now. When a baby is little, they don't want to sleep. They want to be up. They don't want to sleep. Maybe because they're just cranky. Sometimes they get so tired that they don't want to sleep. And you soothe them. You pat them on the back and you shake them a little bit. Not shake them, but you shake them like this. You rock them a little bit. You sway. You make sounds. You just do everything you can to comfort them so that they will finally stop crying and rest. I wish that still worked on some of my kids. I, I, I can picture God just comforting them, saying, it's okay. Soon enough it will come. Right now, just lay your head right here on my chest. 
rest a little bit more. But how do we do it? How do we actually rest? The discipline way. Y'all know the lazy boy way. Y'all know the college football way. Y'all know that way. How do we do it God's way? Someone asked me one time, how do I... I, I, I keep trying to pray and ask God to take this off my hands, and then I find I keep taking it away. What do I do? The only thing I could think of to say was, well, keep giving it back. Because eventually, you're going to get tired of taking it, and you're just going to leave it. I think rest is the same way. Rest is something that, that every time you find yourself striving more and more and more, just asking God, God, help me stop. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. Remind yourself of what he's done. Rest. Now again, it doesn't mean you never do anything, but it's a whole lot different doing something because you have to versus doing something because you get to. It's a whole different attitude. Another thing I would say is to look for those around you who need rest. I mean, wasn't it Jesus who said, Come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest? Maybe, maybe you've got someone around you who's weary and you just need to put your hand on their back and say, it's okay. God's got this. Rest in him. Maybe, um, maybe you've got someone striving because they think it really is up to them and they don't recognize what God has already done. And that may be the person you just need to point to the cross to say, look, look Jesus, has, Jesus has paid the price for your sin. <laughs> He died on that cross. He died to bear the burden of your sin so that you didn't have to bear it anymore. And in him, you can find rest. And then one other thing I would say. It's hard. Probably harder than the other stuff. But every now and then, sometimes we just have to, pardon the expression, man up, ladies, lady up, I guess, woman up, and say no. No, that, that's, that's outside my purview. That, that's too high for my pay grade. That's not what I need to do. Sometimes we say yes because we feel bad if we don't. We say yes because we feel like we have to. We say yes because nobody else is going to do it. Or we say yes because, well, our, our hands are kind of tied and we feel like we've got no other option. Sometimes we just need to say no. There's a, there's a verse in Leviticus that talks about not plowing the edges of your field. The idea is you leave a portion on the outskirts so that the sojourner, the alien, the stranger, wandering through the land, the hungry, the poor, the one in need would have some food as they went. And some of us, we don't rest because we just fill up our plates too much. Sometimes we don't rest because there's too much to do. We don't feel like we can. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? That can wait. No, that's not that's not for me. No, not today. Let's back up a little bit. Let's let's put in a little bit more room in our schedule. Let's make sure that we have time to rest. If we do those things, we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. We clear out some of the unnecessary junk. I think we'll find first that true rest that we've been yearning for. Second, we'll probably find that we're a little bit better at what we need to do anyway. Rest and hard work are it's a balancing act. Back and forth. And with God's help, we get it right. 
We'll do great things for his kingdom, and we'll get to experience it all along the way. Pray with me. Father, would you would you give us true rest? Not just sleep, not just laziness, uh, but rest. Help us to know that it is you. Help us to know that it's not our works, it's not what we've done, it's not what we can do. It is all you. Help us rest in you. Forgive us where we fail you. Forgive us where we stuff our calendars too, too thick with junk that doesn't need to be there. Forgive us when we try so hard to put even good things in where nothing should be. Forgive us when we forgive us when we feel trapped and we feel like our only option is to strive. When we don't put enough trust in you and we feel like we have to do things ourselves or it's not moving fast enough and so you just need a little bit of our help or, or God, even sometimes when we know the right thing to do and we go about doing it the wrong way. Father, would you help us rest? Would you restore our souls? God, I thank you for everything you are and everything you do in us. As we go through this week, help us be faithful both to work and to rest for your glory. In Christ's name we pray.